Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. We are having, you know, people are sharing, you know, their first job or their worst job through the course of the program, 312-981-7200. So we will ask her, too, but excited to have on the country's top tech superstar. Of course, see her on the Today Show, Good Morning America. And, of course, read her regularly in the USA Today, the one and only Jennifer Jolly. Welcome to WGN. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's great to have you. So before we get into all the cool gadgets, and I know people are excited to hear not only for back to school, but some cutting edge stuff. But before your business card said, like, you know, one of the greatest top tech superstars there is, <laughs> like, what was your first? Did you have any crazy jobs? Job <laughs> well, Dane, I don't know if you know this about me. I grew up in Kenai, Alaska, and I was working by around the age of seven, because that's how we used to do it, right? Um, my first job, it wasn't a bad job. I actually loved it. My first job was helping my aunt and my dad pick fish out of the net. They, I grew up in a family of commercial fishermen, and I used to have to pick up the big old salmon and that they would pull out of the net and put them in the hold for the boat. And sometimes I was the only one. I was, you know, the only small little body who could get down in that fish hold and kind of rearrange them and stuff. So, I mean, that's, it's kind of a dirty job. I didn't hate it, though. It was actually pretty amazing. And, and that is where, believe it or not, working out on those fishing boats and fixing problems or, you know, face sinking, that's how I learned how to deal with gadgets. And be kind of a pioneer in this whole gadget and tech space. Oh, uh, but that's pretty From cool. Salmon that... to gadget. Yeah, at, at <laughs> one with nature out there in Alaska. And one common theme that we've talked about is that really isn't necessarily, you know, as in my kids, they're not seven years old. They're not out there, you know, doing tune ups or changing or, or wrestling salmon or anything like that. <laughs> But one of the things right. that they can do, and one of the things that I always thought was really just a great kind of advantage for me is, is I didn't, I had a lot of books around me. So my grandparents had a lot of books. And so I didn't have a ton to do. You know, there wasn't the internet and all that when I was a little kid. And so I was able to read a bunch. And I always tell my kids that whether it's language and reading, that it can open, not only does it allow you to be able to learn so many things, but it is really, I think, just a great asset for people to have. And so on the cutting edge, you know, you don't want to do it old school like I did and read books that you're not necessarily interested in because you have nothing else to do. What are some of the things that kids are able to do to learn kind of reading and language at an early age? Well, reading and language, there's some incredible new gadgets out there for kids around reading and language specifically. But one of the coolest that I've seen so far this year is a book. It's a book that's $15 on Amazon. It's called ReadyLand, ReadyLand Books. And this new company called ReadyLand recently launched these interactive books. So this is something I haven't seen before. So choose your own adventure, but kids can talk to and play games with the characters in the stories as long as you have an Alexa-enabled speaker. And you can even use the Alexa-enabled speaker app on one of your other gadgets, on your smartphone or your tablet or your laptop. But it you just open up the book. It's a physical book. It's, you know, any that you would be sitting there reading with your kids and you say, Alexa, open ReadyLand. 
you answer the prompts. She starts talking to you right away. You answer the prompts, and away you go on this adventure. So one example here, uh, she'll say, let's play I Spy. I Spy something green in a picture, you know, on page five of this book. And you say, is it a car? And yeah, it's the car. Or no, that's not the green thing. Choose something else. So it, it helps kids not only learn to read, but to identify colors and shapes and sing and play games. And it, it's really cool because there are thousands of different variations. So kids don't get bored. This is for ages four and up. You can get them on Amazon. They're around $15 each. I think that this is just a really cool use of technology, but also kids' creativity and that, that desire to learn. When you think about, and I'm sure you were one of the ones that were probably breaking the news for Alexa and some of those, you know, people think, okay, well, we use it so much more. Did you think of, or or were you thinking of all the different applications? Because when it first came out, it was, it was sort of like a shopping aid, right? You could order stuff or maybe, but now we just, I mean, it tells us not only just the weather, but everything else. Are you surprised or is this something you saw coming? All these different ways to kind of integrate the Alexa type technology. Well, you know, I'm in this crazy position that I do see a lot of these gadgets and tech tools and applications really early on. I'm often an early tester of them, even before they hit the market. And one of the the great joys that I have is being able to see something like this and say, oh, can you imagine telling Alexa to open your garage door, to turn on your lights, to, I I have these Hunter Douglas smart blinds. I walk in my living room and I say, Alexa, open, turn on smart blinds or open smart blinds. And um, I could see a lot of the applications. What I couldn't see was the creep factor to all of this. I was so <laughs> excited by the technology early on that that always listening, potentially uh, being used not only to market to you in sort of these these not really cool ways, you know, kind of sometimes not necessarily nefarious ways, but the, the gadget world and the tech industry convincing us we need to see all these ads served up straight to us. I didn't see that coming and to the extent that that would be used to really manipulate our behavior on the whole. So that's been a a lesson. I I saw a lot of the cool applications for it. I didn't think about some of the broader um, societal issues that would stem from it. It's so interesting that you say that because it has been, unlike a television commercial, it is sort of like, I I know it sounds crazy to say this. I don't want to say it's a member of the family, but, but the kids sort of treat it, you know, like, Hey, what's this or what's that? And they'll they'll tell it. Thank you. And it'll say, tell me a a bad dad joke. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, Jen, they're trying to make it where it's more integrated and seen as this thing you can talk to and ask questions for and interacts in a bunch of different ways. And we are seeing that where it'll, it'll tell you the weather and say, Oh, by the way, do you want to learn, you know, where to get an oil change or something like that? And is, is that something that you can either turn off? Because you can say, no, thank you, and then she'll sort of give up. But Or is that is that a setting that you can do, or we should just prepare to have to answer those questions? You can in most applications, most apps. There is a setting where you can turn off the ads, the blatant ads. I have that turned off, like Google ads are turned off and across all of my devices. So a lot of times I'll do a Google search for something. One of the first results that pops up might be an ad, which this is a bummer. Like, let's say I'm shopping for clothes for myself or something, work clothes. 
I go to click on that ad. Well, it doesn't show up at all. It's just a big X. Nope, there's nothing to see here. Link is broken. That's good because I'm tired of all those ads, but it's bad because then I can't get to that one thing that might be exactly what I'm looking for. So there are ways to change your settings, to lock that down. And there's a huge day of reckoning coming uh, for cookies and all these things that, you know, if you get a service for free, if you get Facebook for free, if you get Google for free, they're getting money out of you some other way. So don't be naive and think that they're not tracking your every move because unless you lock down, you use a, a virtual private network, a VPN or something like that, unless you pay something to maintain your privacy, nothing is private. We're going to take a quick break and we come back and maybe kids today aren't as good at wrestling salmon or uh, or doing tune-ups, but they're better <laughs> at using computers than we were maybe at seven. So stay tuned for that, plus a bunch of other cutting-edge stuff that Jen Jolly is going to share with us. So keep it here. It's Dane on 720 WGN. It is Labor Day and there's nobody working harder than Jennifer Jolly. You, of course, read her in the USA <laughs> Today and she is here tirelessly uh, preparing us with cutting-edge stuff and all the insight and information to kind of navigate those waters on the tech side. Before we went to break, we talked about the fact that like kids these days, I know my when they were like two, three years old, they knew how to work a cell phone. I don't know how they did that. But what do you think as far as you know, computers and things like that? What is a good age for that? And of course, phones as well. Yeah. When should they get them? Well, common consensus around a computer that they need, an affordable laptop or tablet that belongs really just to them. Common consensus is that around 12 is about the right age for that starter computer. And as you know, if you have more than one kid and you're trying to share the Chromebook, it can get really complicated as they get into higher and higher grades. So these days, truly the number one tool for school is that affordable laptop or tablet. But I say why choose one when you can have both? Um, I really like the, the Lenovo Chromebook Duet 3. It's one of the best small two-in-one Chromebooks around, great value for the price. This runs around the $350 range, although the prices are going up. They're going down quite a bit right now. They're, they're falling quite a bit uh, because we're in that back-to-school time and new gadgets are getting announced. But this 11-inch tablet comes with a detachable, a detachable keyboard, a built-in stand. It has a cover for all the inevitable drops and spills that you're going to deal with with kids ultra-portable, super light. You can slip it right into your backpack, 10-plus-hour battery life, and built-in virus protection. So really, it's one gadget that checks all the boxes for that affordable back-to-school laptop and tablet all in one. And you think on the phone side, they're always angling for that, and they can always give you all sorts of reasons so you can stay in touch with them and, you know, if they're in trouble or need help. And obviously, there's some good reasons, of course, they get to talk to their friends. So on the cell phone side, like, what's a what's a good time for that? We started our kids, I think, 11, right, was when they sort of got a cell phone. But yeah. what do you think? And then what's a good one to get? recommend those sort of those ages 11 to about 14 for that first phone but age isn't as important as maturity level their ability to follow rules at home and at school to stay off their phone when they're at school and their their sense of responsibility for being in charge of a really expensive gadget Dane, can you imagine when we were young having anything that cost us much on a daily basis <laughs> no. i mean oh my god so smartphones really can be a lifeline for students and their parents, but kids do not need 
a thousand dollar smartphone. And I really feel like I just need parents to hear that. I need to keep saying it over and over and over. Um, Also, we need to think more about technology gadgets, especially smartphones, anything with access to social media and the internet. We need to think about that in terms of training wheels. We don't teach our kids to ride a bike by putting them on the two wheels and shoving them off and saying, good luck. You know, we don't teach them how to swim by tossing them into the ocean. Uh, We don't teach them how to drive a car by putting them behind the wheel at 11 or 12 and sending them off down the freeway. Same, we need to get into the mindset of parents that even though, yeah, toddlers can swipe that iPhone like there's no tomorrow, we need to start them off with training wheel tech because they're going to want all these things long before they're ready for it. So rather than handing them that $1,000 handset because that's insane, start with something like um, the Gab Watch 2. There's these smart watches that are basically a tiny cell phone, but kids wear it on their wrist, less chance of them losing it, um, destroying it. It pairs through an app to a parent's phone, and that way they're able to talk and text and video call. I'm sorry, not video call. They can talk, text, they can take some videos, but there's GPS tracking, there's safe zones, and more. So parents can use lock mode to limit distractions during the school hours, but if there's an emergency, that child has at least two primary contacts that they can reach out to. Um, This is recommended for kids ages 6 to 11, and once they're they're really great with that and they're ready to move on to a phone, you can start with a phone that's been built with a kid-safe operating system in mind, a Trumi, T-R-O-O-M-I. That's one of the recent phones that I reviewed. That one's fantastic. And there are some others out there that they're just stripped down of all the things that kids are getting in trouble with to, to having too much technology too soon, but they provide kids with what they need to text their family or friends, especially in an emergency. Yeah, you got that connectivity, right? Keeping everybody connected and kind of puts their toe in the water, kind of placates them. They feel like they're making progress yeah. towards their tech goals. And, uh, and Jen, as we let you go, give information. I know that you've got, whether it's uh, you know online, of course, it can read you in the USA today, but social media-wise and all the ways that you're sharing that insight, inspiration, of course, all that info. At Jen Jolly on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Jennifer Jolly, uh, Jennifer Jolly Tech on Facebook, techish.com is my personal website, and usatoday.com slash tech. If you don't see one of my stories pop up right away, just search for my name. You know, go to that little uh, magnifying glass and type in Jennifer Jolly, and you'll see my work. And, and please reach out to me. Ask me your questions. Uh, send me ideas. I get some of my best story ideas from people who listen just like you are today. The best in the business. We're so lucky not only to have her in the USA today, but here on WGN. On Labor Day, working, working. We'll let you get back to your Labor Day, <laughs> hopefully some grilling and stuff. But, Jen, thanks so much for jumping on the show. All right, Dane, anytime. It is absolutely my pleasure. All right, talk to you soon. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more show. It's Dane on Labor Day, 720 WGN. It is Labor Day, and Dane is here with you, and we are, well, we talked a little bit of fast, talked a little bit of food. We've been talking a lot of jobs, right? People's first jobs, their worst jobs, maybe some of their best jobs. And before uh, this guy, our next guest, you know, was helping out and raising awareness and funds for the Alzheimer's Association, I'm not sure what his job was. So, Josh, welcome to WGN. 
Uh, hello, welcome. Thank you. Hey, Josh. Did you? We've been having a, you know a lot of the listeners have shared their interesting jobs over the years, and now of course you're doing some great work for a higher purpose. But if you want to share, did you have like a first job or anything interesting that you did early on? Oh yeah. So my very first job was uh, I was about uh, ten, eleven years old, and I started uh, mowing grass in the neighborhood. I had uh, about six or seven lawns in the in the neighborhood, and uh, I had a little mowing business, and that made enough money over about five, six, seven years to buy me a little uh, Chevy S10 when I turned 18. So uh, started out mowing lawns and then eventually started uh, some corn to tasseling on summers and uh, a few odd jobs. You know what? That was my first job that I shared was corn detasseling. I thought I was, I mean, I know I wasn't the only one. There was a group of us all suffering along with it, but we actually had other people call in saying that they've corn detasseled too. So Josh, welcome to the club. Yep, yep. It's a, it's a club. I think uh, anymore. I think every kid should experience because uh, it's one of those experiences that uh, teaches you to do, go on and do better things in life. I think. So, uh, <laughs> really- I think uh, I think walking through the cornfields, uh, you realize that you need to really stick to the book to make sure you don't end up back there full time. Right. It's an incentive to uh, to aim higher. Maybe three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. If people want to add in their thoughts, we've had a. A bunch of great ones, of course, during the program. But, Josh, let's get to it. So recently, and court, listeners have heard we've done a number of um, readings for the Alzheimer's Association, and uh, you have gotten involved in not only, you know, whether it's supported it you know, on the financial side or even raising awareness, you got involved and started an event. You guys had one just this last weekend. Talk a little bit about all that work that you've done for Alzheimer's. Yeah, so uh, I, I recently, um, in 2019, lost my mom to Alzheimer's, and so I, I decided to uh, to jump in feet first and uh, try to make a difference. So uh, I got involved with our local uh, walk teams, as they as they do across uh, the entire nation, and uh, so started a walk team last year. And after last year, I decided, I'm like, I wanted to do something bigger and better. And so uh, this year, I, I reached out to a uh, country artist named Jay Allen, uh, he wrote a song called Blank Stairs back in uh, 2017. He also, unfortunately, lost his mother to early onset uh, Alzheimer's. And so um, this song, Blank Stairs, sort of categorizes uh, his feelings of, of loss and that uh, going through the the whole disease. And so uh, to date, actually, that song has raised over $50-plus plus million dollars, uh, in Alzheimer's research uh, funds. And so we were able to reach out to him. And uh, he was kind enough to uh, to put us on his books for a show. And so he and, and his fiance Kylie Morgan, uh, who is also an up-and-coming national artist, uh, they came to uh, Bloomington, Illinois, on Friday at the Castle Theater. And they did a nice uh, two-hour set of music and uh, told some stories about the songs in between there. It was uh, an intimate setting of what we call, you know, sort of writers in the round and singing. And we were able to uh, raise about $5,000 uh, between ticket sales and donations and we uh, auctioned off uh, silent auctioned off a couple autographed guitars and so it was a great night great event and we raised some fun towards the Alzheimer's association so wow. it was a uh, a beautiful event and uh, and it was a you know just really happy to be a part of it and to see it come to fruition it's the kind of thing that i know touches so many lives i think we've all if we think about it and extend out have family members that have have dealt with that and of course it hits the entire family too right because everybody has to to deal with it and so before we let you go josh um you know for those listeners that may hear this and be inspired hey they want to start their own event or do their own event any any advice you know for them to go ahead and and try it's one thing to participate in the walks but you went that extra mile yeah, I mean, you know, so first, you know, I would I would definitely, you know, put your dip your toe in the water and, and get involved in the walks. 
uh, you know, in that way you can at first, uh, you know, develop a network of, of friends and families that, that have gone through the same type of thing that you are. I think uh, along this process, as the more I've talked about it and, and done it, it's become easier to talk about Alzheimer's and how it affects, like you said, not only the individual that, that is suffering it, but from the entire family. Because as a family, you know, you get in, you become caregivers. And uh, with Alzheimer's affecting over 230,000 people in Illinois, um, it, it can have a toll on it. And everybody is probably suffering for it or knows somebody that is suffering from it. And so, but uh, definitely, you know, get in, involved with your walk team and get a network and then easily branch out into something that you're passionate about. I've always loved music. My mom loved music. And so it was one of those things to just tie those two together and uh, which really made it easy to become uh, to become a successful event. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com for that. And Josh, as we let you go, if any listeners want to get in contact with you or follow you on social media or get some advice, do you have any kind of uh, information you might want to share? Uh, yeah, so if you want to get a hold of us, uh, feel free to reach out to our walk team. Uh, so go to walk.alz.org, and you can uh, reach me through the Buki Fantastic uh, walk team. And out there, we're accepting donations, and then we're also a point of contact for anything in the future that we could possibly partner on. So definitely uh, feel free to go through the uh, walkteamalz.org page, and I'll definitely reach out, and we can... Uh, Make some connections there in the future. Josh Fantastic, thanks so much for what you're doing. Thanks for getting on and, and sharing and working, right? You're working for that great cause here on Labor Day. And thanks for jumping on the show today. No problem. I appreciate it, Dane. Thank you very much. You have a great Labor Day. All right. We are going to take a break. and we come back, we are going to talk with uh, the Visit Milwaukee Group. Just a road trip away. Exciting things happening north of the border. So keep it here. It's Dane, 720 WGN. 720 WGN. High atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and excited to have on the line. We know we always feature great road trips for families and friends and getting out there. And our neighbors to the north, one of our favorite road trip destinations is the city of Milwaukee. You think of it for sports, you know, the Brewers and the Bucks and all all that and of course it's a hometown for many Packer fans and all that but there's so much to do up there whether it's the the zoo or the amenities or the museums and of course all that food and drink and here to tell us all about it is the the communications director up there the one and only Claire Canny. Claire welcome to WGN. Thanks so much for having me. So I know that there's tons of people converging for one of the things that Milwaukee is most known for in the world of motorsports, the headquarters for Harley Davidson, a global brand, right? And puts, they would say Milwaukee on the map in a bunch of different ways and for people. So there's lots of motorcycles on the streets, even more than normal in Milwaukee. And so that's something that's coming up in that museum right there is one of those top attractions. Yeah, um, so Harley-Davidson's hometown rally, it's this weekend. I mean, this will see thousands of bikers from around the country coming into Milwaukee uh, to pay tribute, of course, to the home of Harley-Davidson, where we have the world's only Harley-Davidson Museum, and that's the anchor for this event. When you're in Milwaukee for major Harley events like this, um, it, it sounds like it's constantly thundering because you just hear the, like, rumble, rumble, rumble of these incredibly powerful engines. And for those who aren't, maybe don't own a motorcycle, it's still a really cool event to see how the bikers like personalize their bikes and all of the um, care and attention that they pay. It's really cool. The Harley Museum unto itself is an attraction for everyone. And 
it, this is just a great time to go check it out because there's all sorts of other things happening too. Live music, some really cool demos. You get to check out their electric bike, which I, I find really interesting. Um, and then great food. You know, if you think of that kind of, you know, you think back to the historical attachment to the, to the Harley rider and the electric bike doesn't seem like it would necessarily fit, but there's so many different things happening on the biking side. I know the bagger racing link is up in Milwaukee mile and they've got the Harleys there and there'll be racing. So there's actual racing. People think of it as, you know, the culture and all that cool that goes along with that brand. But the performance side is on display as well. And I got to ask you, Claire, so you're right there in the headquarters for Harley. Is it, you know, the average motorcycle enthusiast, you know, you think about it, the price tag for those is pretty high. So the demographics, I mean, these are relatively affluent people. This is great purchase for them. It's it's a pretty safe crowd. You mentioned loud, but they're a pretty good crowd. Oh, it's an amazing crowd. Everyone is there um, to celebrate as if it was another major festival in the city of festivals. Um, and and they're, they're there to enjoy Milwaukee, too. So locals love having them. You know, they're there to line up their bikes 30 in a row outside of a restaurant and take in our food scene. So we love it. And it's a great way to kind of gear up the city for next year, which will be a a major anniversary year. Um, Harley throws these incredible bashes every five years, next year being their 120th anniversary. So, uh, and and those years are are when like literally 100,000 bikers come from around the world to Milwaukee to do this. And and it's just a way to get excited for that because that's a special time every five years you mentioned it and you kind of like lead on to it a lot of people are enjoying the bikes obviously they're enjoying each other and their camaraderie over the motorcycle scene but they're enjoying milwaukee right so they're here in the city they are there enjoying whether it's the food scene or the drinks or the ambiance the lakefront and all that kind of stuff and you guys have for those people that may get in here for the harley situation that say you know i just can't leave i gotta stay Mm -hmm. what's coming up for people that may want to stay after the harley situation or make that road trip from the chicagoland area coming up Yeah. So Labor Day weekend also has the third ward art festival. This is a, this is an art fest in a neighborhood that's right next to downtown. It's right next to the Summerfest grounds. It's right next to the Harley Museum where they'll have 130 juried artists creating work, doing demos, um, and also offering their work for sale. So if you're an art lover, there's no better neighborhood than the Third Ward. And and it's a great time to just walk around, see and buy some great art while having a Bloody Mary or, you know, a great meal because there's some amazing restaurants in the Third Ward. Uh, Also coming up is um, Tosa Fest. This is this is also next weekend, September 9th and 10th, out in Wauwatosa, which is just 10 minutes west of downtown. It's a super charming village with some amazing food. This is just a giant street festival. So if maybe you're staying a little bit outside of the city, a great and super activated event is the Tosa Fest. Similar to that, but equally amazing, I'd say, is the Milwaukee Night Market a little later in the month. This is September 21, and it's, um, it is, they take over basically the heart of downtown Milwaukee all along the stretch of Wisconsin Avenue with street vendors, live music performers. There's some really amazing um, roller skating, like choreographed roller skating groups what? that come for yeah, it's amazing. And there's dancing and it's just this kind of amazing street party in the heart of downtown. Um, we had, this will be the fourth night market this summer, but um, 
it's it is the absolute best time to see Milwaukee and and all of the various cultures and different ethnic foods that you can find here all in this really easy accessible place it's just it's becoming one of the best events in the city let the listeners know we're talking with claire canning she's the communications director for visit milwaukee you mentioned the art fest that's coming up and i gotta think if for listeners that are going to make their plans to come up in the fall or really anytime here's the thing is you don't necessarily always identify milwaukee with great art museums necessarily i mean if you're into the scene you know right but for listeners a lot of them may not know this but you guys have an amazing art museum we have an amazing art museum. Yeah, you're right. And thank you. It is the state's largest repository of art. It has over 30,000 works. Of course, not our, not all are on display, but the, the power in the art that the museum has is equal, if not better, to the architecture that houses it. And that, of course, is the Santiago Calatrava designed edition. It opened in 2001, and it has wings that open and close every day. Literally, they open and close like a bird taking off for flight. So seeing that is an experience in and of itself. But then, of course, you have to... You have to check out what's inside the museum because it is a world-class experience with some really special exhibitions. I would say right now is the perfect time to go because their special exhibition is the posters of Jules Charest. These are um, early 1900s, late 1800s poster art. French poster art. You have seen these posters or you have seen knockoffs of these posters. They're incredibly popular and the Marquee Art Museum uh, happens to have the largest collection of them in the world. A huge number of them are on display right now through October 16th. It is the perfect um, exhibition for, for art lovers, but of course, even those who may not know a lot about art, you, you will in no way be intimidated by this subject. You know, when it comes to uh, getting up there to Milwaukee, a lot of Chicago area fans think of, of Wisconsin, of course, Milwaukee as, as a sports town, whether it's to come up and see the Cubs play the Brewers, of course, recent world champions with the Milwaukee Bucks and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and so some of the texts and people had asked about the Fiserv area and sort of that. So you have this place, this venue where people and some of those great sports events happen, but there's a whole sort of like an entertainment district or something up there that people are loving. Yeah. So the Deer District, that's what you're talking about. That's that, yep, that's that entertainment area that the Bucks builds up around Pfizer Forum, which is absolutely amazing in and of itself. But if you are not going to an event in Pfizer Forum, there's still plenty to do outside of it. September 17th, in fact, there's Uncorked, Milwaukee's Wine Festival. So that would take place in the plaza area just outside Pfizer Forum, uh, where you can try wines from over 60 wineries. Of course, there will be food because it's a responsible event. But just getting to hang out in downtown Milwaukee, the the Deer District is also right by the... um, like bookends another entertainment district that has some of our old um, German bars and restaurants and and sausage makers, you singers. Um, So there's just always a lot going on in that area. And the deer district gets you right in the middle of it. 
Yeah. Well, last thing, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to step on it too. You mentioned the deer district. It makes me think of one of my favorite places that Milwaukee has a world-class zoo. I'm sure there's some deers there, right? Too probably less good at basketball, but maybe more <laughs> actually alive. But talk about the zoo, because this is a place that I've been a bunch of times as a kid. We've gone up a number of times. It is definitely worth the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have an amazing zoo. Um, they have a recently recently expanded just before the pandemic um adventure africa exhibit where they redid i want to say it was like one third or one fourth of the whole zoo it's it is incredible there's something for everyone um it's very accessible and um just the perfect place to i mean you can easily spend a whole day there of course you also want to check out the um the working farm that they have on the zoo and a very fun fact for that is the cows that are there, of course, you know, like kids especially can learn about agriculture and farming and um, dairy, especially as Wisconsin is the dairy state. But the, the these cows actually produce milk and that has to go somewhere, right? So one place that that milk goes is to a place called Clock Shadow Creamery in Walker's Point. It's one of the only urban creameries in the country. And then they use that milk and turn it into cheese curds, uh, which we all know and love. I think all Milwaukeeans are like 30% cheese curds. <laughs> and those cheese curds are sold in restaurants and breweries and everywhere, like all over the city. So it's kind of cool that when you're at the zoo, you're you're actually seeing them make a product that then you can enjoy in like a hundred different places. They're real working cows, right, Claire? That's very on brand. I got to tell you right yeah, now. Yeah, just... we're not going to waste that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, she has everything going on for Milwaukee. You definitely want to take that road trip to our neighbors to the north and uh, and check out all that. Plus, great hotels. There's so much to see and do. And, of course, there's links up probably uh, for the Visit Milwaukee site. Claire, where can people go to keep up with all the things that are happening? I'm sure that list is expanding on a regular basis. Where can they get uh, more information? You can, well, first follow us on our um, social channels at Visit Milwaukee uh, across all of them, especially on Instagram. We're posting things to do every single week, um, but mainly our website, visitmilwaukee.org, is a great place to start. Claire Koenig, she is there, up there with the hand on the pulse of all things Milwaukee, kind of sharing some of the, some of those great reasons to get up. There's so many more as well. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com for those. So, Claire, we'll let you get back to it. A lot going on. Thanks for everything you guys are doing, and uh, thanks for jumping on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much.